Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. Well, we're so glad you're here. My name is Bobby. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. And we're starting, as Pastor Chuck mentions, this, this four-week sort of anticipation, this four-week, let's get our hearts ready, this four-week, let's disconnect from the craziness around us. Have y'all had crazy weeks? Have y'all... Last week, Chuck asked you if you had a crazy family member that's going to be at Thanksgiving. Did y'all have that person? How many of y'all, that was you? How many of you? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so this whole idea of these next, this Sunday and the next three that are after it is to say, let's not miss the most obvious game-changing moment in all of history. That's why we're calling these next several weeks as obvious is because usually in the moment, we don't recognize game-changing moments. I mean, oftentimes when somebody asks us, well, how significant is today? We don't see it in the moment, right? We, we, we rarely appreciate big life-changing moments in the moment. It's usually years later. That's why I love Wrap It Up, where a couple weeks ago, Pastor Chuck just talked about the last two years at our church and the incredible things that God's been doing. It'd be easy just to, you know, live day to day and be like, well, you know, things are good. It was a good morning. Pastor Hector had a peppy song, right? And did y'all think peppy when you heard that song? I thought it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so it's easy in the moment not to, not to capture all that God's up to, but then to rehearse and just look back over the last two years and just see how God has done a huge work. And so it's obvious when you look back, it's obvious years later, but usually in the moment we miss it. And that's the way, way Christmas is for a lot of us. We've got turmoil and stress and drama and, you know, just, just trying to get through the day-to-day. And if we're not careful, we'll miss this season. We'll miss what it's all about. We'll miss the fact that this season celebrates God himself breaking into human history, bringing hope and joy and peace and, and forgiveness. And so if we're not careful, we'll miss the most obvious thing that we need. And so today I want to kick off the series by talking about the one thing that I think can keep all of us from missing this obvious moment. The one thing that I think if we're not careful, this thing will undo what God is wanting to do in the season. And here's the thing that keeps us from missing the obvious importance of Christmas. And it's one word. It's fear. It's fear. Now, oftentimes when you think of Christmas, we're not thinking fear. Oftentimes we're thinking happy songs. In fact, what's your favorite Christmas song? Somebody shout it out. What's your favorite Christmas song? Away in a Manger. Exactly. Uh, someone else. What, what's your favorite Christmas tune? Silent Night. Silent Night. Yeah. So we, uh, we went to see my mom this last week. So Laura and I drove home 400 miles yesterday, which was a great blessing, right? And we listened to Christmas songs the whole way home, right? And, and, you know, and they're happy, and they're peppy, and they're joyful, and it's, you know, silent night, holy night, and all this great fun. But the truth is, the original Christmas wasn't silent. Everything wasn't calm. In fact, in the very first Christmas, there was a lot of fear. And that's true today as well. In fact, check out these pictures on the screen and tell me if there's not a lot of fear in Christmas. Check this out. (laughs) All right. Check out this next one. This is awesome. <laughs> Love that. Look at this next, uh, this next one. They look happy, right? Silent night, joyful, happy. Look at this next one. <laughs> and check out this last one. This is from our own uh, Erica Mania and Ryan Bonilla. 
right? Have you ever felt that, right? So in a lot of ways, there is stress. In a lot of ways, there is fear, and we're not the first ones to experience it. In fact, the very, the very first person we're going to look at is a guy named Joseph. So if you have your Bibles or if you want to follow along in the app on your device, this is found in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew 1 is an amazing story. It's an amazing passage because essentially we have the Old and the New Testament. The Old Testament ends with a book called Malachi. The New Testament begins with a book called Matthew. And what oftentimes we don't think about is between those two books, there was 400 years of silence. 400 years of God, where are you? 400 years of God, have you forgotten us? 400 years of what's the deal? You promised a savior. You promised a Messiah. You promised that you were going to make the wrongs in this world right. You promised that you're going to cause light to shine into the darkness. And so 400 years of God, where is that? And maybe that's the season you're at. Maybe that's what you're feeling today. You're like, where is this promise? Where is God in the middle of this? And so Matthew 1 is amazing because in Matthew 1, God is essentially breaking the silence. God is showing up after 400 years of them asking, God, where are you at? Where's this hope? Where's this peace? And when God shows up in Matthew 1, it's not nice and neat. It's not happy and calm. It's not peppy and, 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 and joyful. In the middle of that first announcement of Christmas, there was a lot of stress. There was a lot of turmoil. So if you're living in turmoil right now, welcome to the original Christmas. Because in this very first Christmas, there's a guy named Joseph who's supposed to marry a person whose name is who? Mary. And before they're married, he finds out that his future wife is pregnant. And he's like, what's the deal? In Christmas, there is fear. So here's what I want to do this morning. If you're taking notes, if you've got one of the bulletins, or if you're tracking along in the app, I'm going to invite you to write down three words that describe this fear. Because if you're feeling fear this Christmas, you're in good company because that's all of us, right? All of us at some level or another, we're feeling that tension. We're feeling that drama because anytime God is up to something that years later we'd say it's obvious, usually in that moment it is messy, it's messy. And the first word that describes this fear is, number one, it is understandable. Just write down that word. It is understandable. That fear that we feel, that fear, that, that uncertainty, that drama, that tension, that, that I don't know how this is going to turn, turn out, is understandable. Listen to how this plays out in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. I mean, think about this moment. Here is Joseph, who's got all of these great plans. Here's Joseph that has it all figured out. He's like, here's what's going to happen. All right, I met Mary. We're now betrothed, which is like a giant version of engagement. And so for essentially when you're betrothed to somebody, it started a year-long preparation for marriage. And so they weren't married yet. They haven't slept together yet. They're not official yet. But during that year in their culture, they were considered husband and wife. I mean, in their culture, this is a big deal. And so Joseph has all of these plans. He's like, all right, I'm going to marry Mary in about a year. We're going to have a nice little family. We're going to live a quiet life. It's going to be great. But in this moment, when he finds out she's pregnant and he knows that it's not his child, his whole world 
gets turned upside down. That's understandable, right? Fear, if any of us were sitting across the table at Starbucks with with Joseph, none of us would blame him for wigging out. None of us would blame him for panicking. None of us would, would question, why are you getting cold feet? If any one of us was sitting across the table from him, we would understand it. We'd be like, well, of course, I, I get the fear, of course. I mean, the things that you had planned didn't turn out. The person that you love looks like she cheated on you. Uh, uh, the, the world around you who's been your support system is now looking at your future wife like she's done something wrong, who wouldn't be afraid? And that's true in our lives. Usually this season reminds us of all of those things that we hope for. Usually this season reminds us of our future hopes and dreams. It it, it usually reminds us of all the things that we had in in front of us, all the things that we thought we would accomplish, all the things that we thought we would conquer. And yet when we come around to another year like this, we're like, why hasn't it worked out? It is understandable. In fact, a, a, a funny post I saw. So I was home, you know, for Thanksgiving. We were in Mississippi at my mom's house. And, uh, you know, so I'm checking in on social media occasionally. Uh, mostly I was offline for the week, but I did pop on a couple times. So I'm on Facebook, or as my mom calls it, the Facebook, because when you're 71, you add the to everything, right? So it's the Facebook, or you add an S to the end, so it's not Kroger, it's Kroger's, or not Walmart, it is. Walmart's right. So I'm on the Facebook and one of my friends who's in college posted a status and she and in her status she's like to all of my family I'm about to see for Thanksgiving. No, I'm not married yet. <laughs> I do have a bright future in front of me. Let's not talk about it, <laughs> right? Right? We've all been there, right? We've got these future hopes and dreams, and everybody else has their future hopes and dreams. And if we're not careful in this season, we'll look at our plans that we thought we had figured out. We'll look at the thing that we love that we think is, is, is obvious, and all of that stuff gets turned upside down. See, here's the deal. In this season, whenever God is up to something great, in this season, for us, looking back on Joseph's story, we're like, Joseph, it's Jesus coming. But in the moment, we don't see it. In the moment, we don't see a God thing about to happen. And here's what I found is that oftentimes God requires us to give him that thing that we love. He asks us to take our plans. He asks us to take our, uh, you know, we've got this all figured out. He asks us to take that thing that we love and trust him with it. Because when we hold on to our plans, we're like, man, I've got this. I've got this figured out. The tighter we hold on to it, the more that it wrecks us. Because often it's the thing that captures our heart that ends up breaking it. Often it's that thing where we're like, man, if I just had this for Joseph, he's a guy, he's a normal guy. He's got his plans, he's got his control. That's, that's true for most of us in this room as guys. We're like, man, I like to be in control. I like to have it figured out. And God says, I want you to hand over that thing that you love. So number one, that fear, it's what? It's understandable. Man, I get it, right? What your feeling's real. I, I, I don't blame you for it. I, I don't blame Joseph. I get it. It's understandable. But then number two, the second word that describes it is it's undesirable. That fear is undesirable. Because here's what fear does. Fear takes what is not true and makes us think that it is true. Think about that. 
Fear takes what is not true and it causes us to think that it is true. And if that fear goes unchecked, if that fear goes unrestrained uh, un, uh, in our life, that fear begins to distort the reality that we see in our lives. Let me tell you what I mean. Let, 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 me, let me use Joseph from the story as an example. So, so here's, here's what happens for Joseph, verse 19. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So, so here's all of his plans going down the drain. I've met Mary. She's awesome. We're going to have a fam- we're going to get married. We're going to have a family. Everything's going to be great. And now he finds out that she's pregnant. And so in the middle of this moment, he thinks what is not true is true. He thinks she's been with another man. He thinks she's been sleeping around. He, he thinks she has hooked up with somebody. He's like, we haven't been to bed together. We, we're not married yet, but yet she's pregnant. Can you imagine that emotion? He's like, she's what? I mean, think about that. It's, it's easy 2,000 years later to say, well, it's obvious. That, that's God doing a great work. In the moment, it wasn't obvious. Can you imagine his reaction? She's what? With who? I mean, this is so much so an angel has to show up. And the angel's first word to Joseph is this down in, in, in verse 20. Do not fear. Yeah, right. <laughs> She's what with who? Well, it's okay, Joseph. She's going to give birth to Jesus. Why? He doesn't get that. And so what happens in the middle of fear is, yes, it's understandable, but it's undesirable because it begins to twist reality in our life. It causes us to think things that aren't true are true. And so in the middle of this moment, he's like, she's what? She's been with somebody else. His whole life is going down the drain. And that's what fear does. Fear causes every insecurity that we have to shoot up. Fear causes every unresolved relational conflict in our life to shoot up. Fear causes every hope that we had for ourselves and for our loved ones just to shoot up. And fear has this way of making us think it can never, ever, ever, ever be good again. I mean, I love the holidays. I love I loved being home this last week, and a few weeks we'll go see Laura's side of the family. And I love all that, but to be honest, December is, is one of those months where all that stuff shoots up for me. Not long ago, I, I, I was around some people that are sort of, kind of related to my family, and man, it caused all that junk to shoot up, all the past drama in that relationship. It caused it just to shoot up, and so I, I, just being around them emotionally drained. Right, December is just a reminder of all of those things for me. It was on December 3rd, like seven years ago, that I got the phone call from my mom saying, you need to come home, your dad's not doing well. And it was for the, the rest of that month, we were sitting in ICU waiting room, hoping, just hoping that our prayers would be answered and he'd be healed from cancer. He passed January 7th, just a few weeks later. It was December the next year, so passed away in January, the next December, back at home in Mississippi with my mom and the rest of our family, and we get the phone call. We, we're, we're just about to have our Christmas Day meal, and we get this phone call that my granddad had been in the hospital, fallen, got pneumonia, 94 years old, and we got that call right about mealtime, 
that he had passed. So I get it. When we, when we talk about fear and we're talking about drama and we're thinking about emotion and my life isn't exactly what I thought it would be, I get that. But I'm telling you, it's undesirable because what it does is all that in, insecurity shoots up, all of that past conflict shoots up, all of those unresolved dreams, hopes, and, and, and future begins to shoot up. I get it. And if we're not careful, it'll distort reality. It'll make us think that our lives will never be good again. I can't tell you how many times I've sat with people from our church, from our family here, across the table, and they're like, man, I blew it, man, I, I made some mistakes, and they feel like life is over. I understand it. I think it's undesirable, but here's the truth. Number three, if you're taking notes, just write down this third word. This fear is unnecessary. It's unnecessary. It is not necessary I mean, the enemy would love for us this season to miss the most obvious game-changing moment in all of history that God broke into human history. That when he came, man, love, when Jesus came, love became a person. I mean, think about how unideal that situation was. The Messiah is going to come. The Savior of the world is going to come. Well, how is he going to come? Well, he's going to be a fetus in the womb of an unwed mom. That's not a perfect situation for most people, is it? Well, how's he going to come? Well, he's going to be placed in a borrowed manger. That's not a perfect situation. And yet, through this story and through this reminder, we're reminded that, 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 that our future does have hope, that our future is possible, that it is possible for God to step into any life and make the impossible possible, that God has the amazing ability to step into that thing that we're afraid of and that fear that we're experiencing and to do something new. Here's what I love about this. If you have your Bibles, look at it. In Matthew 1, after the angel speaks to him, the angel says, do not be afraid. She will bear a son, verse 21. You will call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the prophet. So, so the angel quotes from the Old Testament from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel. And so all this fear is shooting up inside of Joseph. All this drama is shooting up inside of him. What am I going to do? She's been with who? It's not my child. And in this moment, Joseph learns one big lesson. What Joseph learns is this story is not about him. This story is about what God is doing in him. And so it says in the very next verse, and when Joseph woke up from his sleep, he did as the angel commanded him. He took his wife. He did not know her. So he, he did not sleep with her until after Jesus was born. He did not know her until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name what? Jesus. Man, that fear that you're facing, I understand it. That fear that you're facing, man, I'm telling you, it's undesirable because what it does to all of us, myself included. But that fear is unnecessary. Why? Because the thing that defeats our fear is not trying to run away from it. The thing that defeats that fear isn't to act like it's not there. The thing that defeats the fear in all of our lives is not just to numb it away over the holidays. The thing that defeats this fear is relationship with him. 
In fact, if you're taking notes, let me get you just to write down three simple phrases or names this morning. The first word that I want you to write down, and it's obvious, just write down Jesus. In this passage, it's all about Jesus. Jesus is God's personal name. That's his name, right? Jesus is not his first name and Christ his last name. You know that, right? It's not Mary and Joseph Christ and the Christ family, right? They don't, they don't have the mailbox. The Christ family lives here. They're not sending out holiday cards from the Christ. Jesus is his personal name, and it literally means that he saves. God saves. It's the New Testament. It's the Greek version of the Old Testament Hebrew name Joshua. Probably, hands down, the most popular name in his day. A reminder, God saves. Then after you write down Jesus, just write down Christ down Christ. Jesus is his personal name. Christ is his official name. It means the anointed one. It means the Messiah, that he is the one that can save us. He is the one that can rescue us. He is the one that can cause light to shine in the dark. So Jesus is his personal name. He, he, he's a God that saves Christ is, is his official name, that he is the anointed one of God. And then write down this last name, write down Emmanuel. Emmanuel is his descriptive name. It means God is with us. And so, man, I'm telling you, as fear comes into our life, as we're experiencing all of this tension and this drama and all of this stress, the thing to do is to remind us that we're not living this alone, that God hasn't said, well, good luck with that. I hope you can figure it out, that it's obvious that God steps into our life and the God that steps into our life, his name is Jesus. He is the anointed one. He is the Christ, the one, the Messiah that can take away our sins. He is Emmanuel. He is with us. And so when fear shoots up, and it's understandable, when fear shoots up and it starts distorting us, to remind us the way you defeat fear is not by running from it, but running to relationship to Jesus, the anointed one, to the Christ who is the Messiah, to Emmanuel who is the God who is with us. And he wasn't just with us when he was in the womb. He wasn't just with us when he was placed in that manger. He wasn't just with us as a 12-year-old lost, uh, separated from his family in the temple. He wasn't just with us on the cross or in the tomb or when he came back from the tomb. He is with us now. And so when fear rears its ugly head, when doubt begins to say, man, it could never be good again, I'm telling you, Two years from now, 20 years from now, you could look back to this season, you could look back to this year, and this could be the year that God obviously changes your life. And just randomly, this week as I was reading, I, ran, I read this beautiful quote. I don't know much of the context behind it, but I love, it's so beautiful in what it says. It says, do not be afraid of your fears. Your fears aren't there to scare you. They're there to let you know that something is worth it. Instead of allowing the enemy to use your fear this season, would you allow God to use your fear, your doubts, your insecurity, for Joseph, brokenheartedness, shame? Would you allow God to use it? to show you there's something worth it. And that worth is found in 
in Jesus. Let's pray together this morning. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Even if you're watching online, I invite you to participate with us. This morning, if you're a believer and you find yourself feeling that stress and that drama and that just getting sucked into all the, all the trappings of the season and missing who it's about, would you just take a moment just to, to recenter and refocus and to say, dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Christ and that you're here with me today. Could you do that? Maybe not today, maybe it's tomorrow when reality hits. Would you be reminded? Jesus, I believe you are the anointed one from God, that you're the one that can rescue me from my sin and my fear. And I believe you're here with me today. And as we pray, let me just say a word to those that maybe this is new to you. Maybe there's never been a moment that your faith has become real. Maybe there's never been a moment that you've put your full trust in who Jesus is. Would you just pray this part of the prayer with me? Would you say, dear Jesus, I believe you are God. And I believe that you can forgive me of my sins. And as best as I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and help me to live for you. As we pray, it's not words, not magic words, it's not some formula. It's putting our trust in the one that brings hope. Because what I've seen over and over and over and over and over again, more times than I can count, is that God can step into the darkest moments and bring hope and life. Father, would you help us to see that you are Jesus, the anointed one, who can save us. That you're Christ, the, the, the savior of our sins. And help us to experience that you're here with us. Help us to live differently because of you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.